0: Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape markets. Ideas can change the world. Uh, I love people with um, a, we'll call it a, a web of interests, um, and I call it a web of interests because not just separate interests, but somehow are able to tie all the interests together into into a life and. Uh, interconnected, if you will. And so I was fascinated uh, with Melissa Muir because of her different pieces of the puzzle that she brings to the table. Um, And we're gonna gonna have some fun. Currently, Melissa is the HR director for the City of Shoreline. And we'll get into a number of the things she does for the City of Shoreline. But she also has a background in federal government uh, she has her own JD. She, um, she is uh, uh, has a, a, a co- collaborative interest uh, with her uh, police organization within the city of Shoreline, as well as a uh, purview interest in the security and safety in her role at city of Shore- Shoreline. So it'll be fun. It's not often I get to talk to an HR director who has those insights as well. But most importantly, I think you're going to find, Melissa Muir, a wonderful human being. So let's have a great conversation, Melissa. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Ron. I am so excited. I love the great conversations I've heard. I love the people that you are connected to back to that web. You are everywhere and pop up and I'm honored to be part of that web.
0: Well, that's exciting, exciting. Melissa, um, we're, we're next to my fireplace, you know, my virtual fireplace, I tell everyone around. And, and I, I'm just, there's so many different things I want to ask you. I think the most important thing is, what does it mean? What does it mean to be in HR these days? Because most of us, don't really understand the web of connections an HR director has under their purview, but I want to know what it means to be in HR these days or what it should mean.
1: Well, I mean, the literal thing, what it means is I have not had one boring moment since February of 2020. Uh, It means that the world is... And we have a chance, whatever re you want to use, I'm not a huge fan of that reimagine, reinvent, re whatever. It means we get to decide what we want to keep and what we want to foster and what is no longer important as we navigate the world's changes, right? I mean, the opportunities are phenomenal, right? We're bringing people back. They've got ideas. We tried things that we've never tried before. We are in some tough places. People have uh, been through stresses that were unimaginable before, and we're together, uh, and we're, we're carrying a lot of stuff. We're not always bringing our best self and we get a chance to address that right on, right? Like whether it's our wellness um, activities, whether it's how we hire, it's how we say hello, how we say goodbye, everything in between. It's never been a more exciting time and a terrifying one, too, right? So it's it's, it's everything.
0: Wow. What a great way to state that. Um, you and I both know, I think you've heard me say many times, uh, this navigation between risk and opportunity, right? But uh, the, another way to say that is we both know, we've been around the block, that every time we've had pain, it's going to represent a window of opportunity as well to whether we're learning from the pain or just experiencing the pain itself so we can come alongside empathetically others who share the same pain. And for you to say about what's going on now with HR, what do we want to keep? What do we want to foster? How do we show up with each other? I think that was marvelous.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and, in that pain, I think we have often pretended it didn't exist, right? Whether it's our work-life balance, you dress this way, you bring yourself to this, you talk this way, whatever. I mean, I love the conversations we're having around hair in the workplace. Who knew we would talk about hair? Um, So as we look at that pain, all of a sudden, as we're looking at behavioral health and, and balancing that, we get to say, how are you doing? And people get to say, I'm not doing so well. I'm struggling, right? And instead of kind of all looking uncomfortable at each other and moving on, we're like, how are we gonna? How are we gonna acknowledge that? How are we going to share that? How are we going to support our coworkers? Ourselves ask for help. And so I think kind of it's taken off the cover of what we've been hiding all along, right? Turns out, oh, we're real people, and we're bringing all of that into it, and. I think that's where one of the biggest bridges is with our security partnership, right? Because we've exposed the, that there are challenges, that there are risks, that those are a factor in our workplace. And when we can say them out loud, they're a lot less frightening, right? When I can be like, yeah, people are struggling. You know, I think after the shooting in Buffalo, I asked my boss, because I'm relatively new, I'd like to send something out. People are really struggling. And and there there was some pause. We haven't done that before. And we haven't acknowledged all these other major events. And I said, you know, could we start today? And interestingly enough, and this is what I think is another connection between security, nobody responded. They sent a very, very, personal heartfelt email. I worked with our equity and social justice person um, and, and had a couple of other eyes look at it. So for tone and things, send it out, zero response. And then I walked around the building and I walked across the street and people stopped me every single time and said, thanks for sending that out, that's how I felt. Thanks for doing this, right? Thanks for acknowledging that we are struggling right now. Thanks for acknowledging that it's hard to focus sometimes. Thanks for acknowledging that I pulled a lot of different directions and just saying that fosters that commitment, nurtures my connection, right? That support. And for me, I think I got, and this comes from insider threat and security, right? The three key things, engagement, connection, and support. And I look at that and I say, that's where HR is centered right now. That is our focus. We get to say that out loud. And if you're an executive in whatever a C-suite looks like these days, right? right we're thinking about those things because they're tied to our bottom line. They're tied to our productivity. They're tied to the creativity. They're tied to metrics I care about, retention. They're tied to security there is a direct connection between those three and security. So when I look at those three and say, now in 2022, in the world of HR, I get to really focus on three things that are spider webs and connected throughout the organization to goals all of the functions have. What a gift, right? What a lucky place to be right now of all the places in the world. This is the best one today.
0: Oh, fantastic. The, um, you know, it's really interesting uh, after years of dealing with teams and you you just stimulated something in me, getting them to the point of trust and maybe even a better word is courage before trust is enabled.
1: Mm.
0: Getting the courage, getting them to a point where they have the courage to call out the elephant in the room. So if you think about it, what you just said is the elephant in the room. We all have elephants in our personal room, in our team rooms, in our company rooms, and having the courage just to call them out so we can deal with it, that that is not easy. How you've learned a few, you've done things intuitively, like sending the letter, like saying to management buffalo just happened what are people feeling why don't we allow them to see that we're feeling something so they can respond to it is is that right am i getting that right
1: yeah i i i think i don't know i i think it is the elephant in the room it's 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 bringing to the surface what we're all feeling under the surface and modeling it that it's safe. I think I can be more courageous when you demonstrate that courage is welcome, right? That when you open that door, when the leader of the organization says, I'm really struggling today, right now, now it's okay for me to do that. Not only does that bring it out, it also lessens the power. Right. It doesn't have the it doesn't have the ability to derail me when I said it out loud and I gave it a place. Now it's now it's it's in the air. It's in the ether and it isn't in my way. It's no longer a barrier. It's just like hanging out next to me, moving on. Right. And so there's something so powerful about reducing the power of those distractions and those struggles just by embracing them
0: turn the elephant into a mouse.
1: (laughs) I love that analogy. There we go. We've got pies. We've got elephants. We've got mice. Uh, All the ingredients are right here for a fabulous fireside conversation and meal.
0: You brought up something else, though. And let's call out this elephant. Does an organization do something that may not... Necessarily increase productivity or profit or revenue because it's the right thing to do. And I'm thinking of quite frankly, I'm thinking of my kids right now, Melissa, because I used to say, you know, at the end of the day, two things happen when you do something that's good and right. One, it's gonna make you feel better. Whoever you're in relationship, it's gonna probably make them feel better. And three, odds are, not always, odds are, it's going to make the company you work within better as well. It's going to make it better. It may take a while for that to show up. You know, profits don't happen directly from a good thing, a good action. But at the end of the day, if you're creating a healthy organization, that can't help that drive metrics that matter to the uh, organization. They're
1: they're 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 absolutely connected. And and again, I work in the public sector, so profit may not be the motive, but service may be. And they, it's so easy. I'll, I'll share. This is my experiment for the week. So we're on day five of the paper towel experiment. So in the restrooms, because more people are coming into the office. I noticed one night that after they're cleaned, she leaves the paper towels hanging. It's one of those automatic ones. You put your hand in front of it. And Well, there's two and they're both paper towels. And I thought, how nice. Paper towels are waiting for me. Somebody got ready. So I started on Monday, opening, uh, I don't know what I'm, uh, prompting both of them to drop before I left so that there were always two paper towels anytime somebody came in there. Okay, so day two, I've done it now you know, several times every time I go in, there's one left open. Somebody else did it for me. Day three, one time I come in and they're both down. Today is Friday. When I went into the restroom this morning, both paper towels were waiting for me and another one started, right? Like, and I walk in and what I noticed is When I'm connecting to a person and talking, I don't know if she's the one who put the paper towels down, right? This is kind of an anonymous experiment. And yet I noticed that every single person just smiled a little bit more, right? Like we're a little bit more. And now let's make a connection, right? If I am actively disengaged, which is one of the funnier combinations I've heard in a while, but if I am actively disengaged in my work, it costs my company a third of my salary through productivity, through abs- whatever, all those measures, right? So if I am more engaged because I wanna see if somebody else is gonna put the paper towels down, I am more productive, I am more creative, I am more engaged in that conversation. I'm more excited about that next meeting, right? How do I, how do I separate those two? There's no separation.
0: There is no separation and actively disengage. I think, the first one to use that, wasn't that Gallup who used that term? Yeah. Yeah.
1: The the Gallup measures, I just are the best in the world. They're Mm -hmm. amazing. I think I've shared with you in the past though, some of the ones that the HR community, I wish we were paying a little more investing more time in are those connections between that engagement and our security and safety Mm -hmm. That, that there are, measures of accidents and even mortality statistics are statistically significantly tied to the engagement uh, profiles of those organizations in Gallup's measures. It's, it's frightening combination. And, I, and I, I don't wanna lose sight of you started with doing what's right. And I guess I think doing what's kind, doing what's supportive, are for me, parts of doing what's right. right? Ooh, I like put that. those very much together that when I'm doing those things, when I'm hearing my colleague, when I'm listening to them, when I'm kind to them, uh, I'm doing what's right.
0: I, um, you brought up uh, security. Um, I talked to a gentleman the other day who has, um, works primarily with the federal government. Uh, and he was telling me his story about how he developed his unique skill sets and later put a name to them. So what we start off with when we learn is we become a unconscious competent. And then if we're able to document it and teach others, we become a conscious competent, right? And, and he was he was telling me about that path. And he was describing a scene where he's with a Pashtun in a village in Afghanistan. Pashtun is one of the tribes of Afghanistan. And, uh, and how he was trying to create a bridge between two different cultures two different ways of life two different ways of seeing the world two different Mm. articulating how we and how he was trying to create that bridge and ultimately at the end of the day it was really interesting melissa i think this will resonate with you he said i needed to understand their story the narrative of their existence How they see the world and so his mission in life is to help the fed government understand that the best way to stay out of war is to understand the narrative the story that is being told by the culture that we're in conflict with right it was really interesting but if we then superimpose that on you and i you you at the end of the day want to understand the city of shoreline story you want to understand the different department stories within the city of shoreline and then the individual stories that are going on and if we connect those three things you have a very powerful city of shoreline government
1: you know i am reminded so often and i i love that sense right whether it's in another country, whether it's our, our national defense, whether it's the co-worker we're a little worried about right next door, right, whatever that is, it is that same understanding, you know, listening to understand and, and, and interest in their story. And I see so many examples, right? I go out into the field and there's something pretty wonderful about, you know, I walk to work, I come down the interurban trail and I see the park and it's like, those are my park workers, right? Those are my maintenance workers. Those are my wastewater. This is like, these are my people. My tribe. Um, And when I go out again, that idea that when I come into your living room and I'm at your fireplace, you will ask me questions. You will tell me stories that I will not get in any other way. And so how do I go? How do I find that welcome to your living room rather than calling me into your office, right? And once again, I go out and I walk the halls, I go to the park and I sit down and it's a different conversation than I would ever have. So how do I create the space for it? The physical pieces of it? How do I create the space In conversation for it. And then how do I listen? And how do I share with you that I've heard you heard you? And that's everything, right? The rest will take care of itself.
0: Well, and and for me, for example, in preparation for today, it's me reminding myself from what I can tell in my research who Melissa Muir is. So I'm ready to show up for a great conversation. So studying someone, studying. And then learning their story is important. But then I asked him something. And it reminds me of the paper towel experiment. Mm. I asked him, well, how in the heck could that stop a war? And he goes, well, what I found is once I understand the worldview, I can begin to direct their worldview into a positive, right? Into a positive reaction. And, and that's what you did with the paper towel experiment. It was fascinating. You didn't wait for necessarily a moment. You set the context for a moment. Mm. You took a positive action. The only risk to you is a little bit more time in the bathroom, right? To begin a journey that would create a conversation. And you did that with your letter response to the Buffalo incident as well. You initiated an action, you took the courage to do that. You took a little time, but it created the context and the opportunity for a great conversation.
1: That's a generous way to pull it all together. I think it's true. And I'm gonna jump to a random story and and hope (laughs) that I pull this together. But thinking about this morning, I did a presentation Last year, together with someone in biosecurity, interested in insider threat. And we were a little, kind of a funny combination, but we did case studies. And so I talked at the beginning and and shared my HR perspective on the story of Benedict Arnold. And as a great case study in insider threat, but I looked at it and said, Isn't it really a classic workers' comp case gone sideways? Everybody gets that, right? He was, all of the things about him, he was injured terribly on the job, right? He was shot. A horse fell on him, shattered his leg. He was in pain the rest of his life. He was in the hospital for months, and George Washington didn't acknowledge him, didn't write to him didn't come visit him and he wrote at one point something to the effect of, you know, I wish I'd just been shot in the chest rather than the leg, right? And some terrible things happened. Connected, I'm not gonna go that far. I am gonna say we had the opportunity as leaders in that terrible situation to show that we cared, to create that space, to acknowledge the harm, say, I'm sorry, you're hurting, right? And not taking that led to a lifetime of resentment and grievance and anger and frustration. And we see that in our workplaces at every level, right? We have the power. It doesn't cost a lot of money, right? It's a paper towel. It's an email. It's an acknowledgement of suffering. It's a kind word. amplification you know the implications for our orga- you know our organizations, our workplace, our relationships are phenomenal, right? This works at home too. And I'm constantly amazed, especially on the prevention side, uh, especially with security, let's spend a little less time worrying about our disgruntled former employees and either not hire them or not make them frustrated in between. What would the world look like? How much time would we have? To make things better if we weren't focused on reacting to situations that that we made worse with our inaction okay so there's my benedict arnold connection to your story not sure if that worked but it really is i think a powerful reminder to me
0: well it's so funny because the stories that we've grown up with the stories that are embedded in our psyche if you will I think of one story, for example, the Genesis story, mm. right? Very interesting because if you think about it, must be human nature or something, but we we only see that story through one lens, and that is mankind screwed up. Wow, what a horrible interpretation of that story because that isn't the only thing, as you said about Benedict Arnold. This was a patriot who went sideways, right? And are we, you know, so so the interpretation of Genesis has been by many religions, a screw-up story for mankind. But mm. there was a story that happened before the screw-up. And it was a wonderful, holistic reckoning of the stewardship of the garden, if you think about it. An empowered, empowered collaborative relationship with power, that led to stewardship uh, of a garden, and 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 and, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I think of you, where you could be. You know, somebody walks into the elevator like you were sharing with me before we went on this broadcast, and says it's a lousy day. You could say, "Don't say that." Or you could say, you know, I, I, I know, but it's gonna be a great day or something like that. Something that changes the direction of the river, changes the course of a life or even a day. And, you know, I think we're, I love how you opened up this conversation. What an opportunity HR has more than ever in a, in a world that's very fractious right now, very complex. What an opportunity we have to change people's lives and and of course the lives of our, um, the uh, metrics of our organization. So this has been a great conversation, Melissa Muir.
1: Thank you, Ron. Uh, Many, many wonderful things to think about and take out as we think about stewardship of our respective gardens.
0: This has been a great conversation.